Did you know you can listen to all your favorite podcasts, including this one, free on Spotify? And beginning August 2nd, Spotify is going to become the exclusive home for all past and future episodes of Dissect. That means wherever you're listening right now, Dissect will no longer be available after August 2nd. So it's more important than ever that you download the free Spotify app on your phone, search for Dissect, and tap the follow button to get new episodes right in your library. You can even binge the entire Yeezus season for free right now. So download Spotify for free today and never miss a new episode of Dissect. Kanye West's 2007 album Graduation begins with a song titled Good Morning. It's here that a youthful Kanye details his rise from a kid from Chicago to an international superstar. Good morning, on this day we become legendary, everything we dreamed of. I'm like the fly Malcolm X, by any jeans necessary, Detroit where cleaned up. Playing off of Malcolm X's famous by any means necessary quote and revolutionary philosophy, Kanye raps, I'm the fly Malcolm X, by any jeans necessary. It's an expression of his youthful ambition as he sees himself as a fearless, outspoken legend on the level of Malcolm X, only dressed better. The line is funny, clever, dewy-eyed, aspirational, and full of life. It's everything we loved about quote-unquote old Kanye. It's also the polar opposite of what we hear six years later on the song Black Skinhead. For my theme song, my leather black jeans song, my by any means on, part and I'm getting my scream on. The old Kanye we used to love, he's gone. Forget about Good Morning, this is now his theme song. This grimy, grungy version of Kanye doesn't require just any jeans, but leather black jeans. It's a seemingly simple aesthetic touch, but it's the quintessential difference between old and new Kanye. He's no longer a well-dressed graduate making a playful reference to Malcolm X. He's a black skinhead, a self-appointed revolutionary a la Malcolm, ready to spark a political rebellion. From Spotify, I'm Cole Kushner, and this is Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. On today's episode, we continue our serialized examination of Kanye West Yeezus with its second track, Black Skinhead. Last time I dissect, we examined On Sight, the opening track on Yeezus. There we were introduced to the album's main character, Yeezus, a fictionalized, exaggerated version of Kanye West. Yeezy season approaching, fuck whatever y'all been hearing, fuck what fuck whatever y'all been wearing, a monster about to come alive again. Soon as I pull up... In line with part one of the hero's journey story structure, On Sight finds Yeezus comfortable in his natural element at a nightclub. On the surface, his life appears exciting and opulent. He's treated like royalty and can have any woman he desires. But as revealed by the track's clever sample interlude and allusion to the film Holy Mountain, beneath the surface of Jesus's ego and selfish ambition lies something much sadder. He lives an indulgent lifestyle and wants everything handed to him at a moment's notice. All the money, women, and possessions he brags about don't make his life seem cool, but instead hollow, materialistic, and unfulfilling. He's getting what he wants, but not what he needs. Onsite lays the groundwork for the external adventure and internal journey that's about to take place. The second stage of the hero's journey, a classic story structure we're using to frame the narrative of Jesus this season, is what's known as the call to adventure. It's here that the protagonist is faced with a problem or conflict that rocks their ordinary world, and they have to decide whether or not to answer the call. 
In The Matrix, the protagonist Neo's call to adventure is found in the iconic scene in which Morpheus offers Neo a red or blue pill. His decision to take the red pill, leave his ordinary life and confront the truth about the world, is his yes. It's his answer to the call. This call to adventure is the protagonist's first test, revealing to us more about their character. Are they capable of answering the call? What are their fears, concerns, hopes, and goals? The call to adventure reveals to us these deeper layers of the hero, which is exactly what we'll see happen on Black Skinhead. Like on site, Black Skinhead was produced by Daft Punk and Kanye West. Daft Punk were the first people Kanye consulted when beginning what became Yeezus, and Black Skinhead is the first song they worked on, building the foundation for the sound of the entire album. The distorted and muffled melody that begins the song actually isn't one of Daft Punk's infamous synthesizers, it's Kanye's voice. It's interesting that really the only melodic part of the entire song is created from the human voice, though it's layered and affected in such a way that it sounds like a synthesizer. To give you an idea of how this type of sound can be created from a single voice, our very own Andrew Atwood did his best to recreate it for us. Here's the unaffected raw vocal track. Now we double this track, meaning we make a copy of it, and pitch it down one octave lower. The low end provides a much fuller sound when played together with the original. Next, to make this even fuller, we double both tracks, creating a total of four, two at the original pitch and two at the lower pitch. Next, we add an effect called overdrive, which distorts the vocals. Finally, we add a second distortion, and we end up with something that's pretty close to what we hear on Black Skinhead. Juxtaposed against this anthemic melody are cacophonous drums provided by Daft Punk, which were actually originally recorded for their album Random Access Memories. The swinging, up-tempo sound of these drums led some people to believe that they are a sample or interpolation of Marilyn Manson's song, The Beautiful People. While similar, the drums on Black Skinhead are not sampled from The Beautiful People, nor do we have any evidence that they were an inspiration for the track. But what we do know about the song is that according to producer and longtime Kanye collaborator Mike Dean, Black Skinhead was almost left off the album because it sounded too much like a soccer anthem. Indeed, perhaps more than the beautiful people, Black Skinhead resembles elements of Gary Glitter's 1973 song, Rock and Roll Part 2, which has been a sports stadium staple for decades. Instead of shying away from the song's anthemic quality, on Black Skinhead, Kanye leans directly into it, as he uses the first words on the track to declare that this is Yeezus' theme song, his anthem. 
for my theme song. Like. My leather black jeans on. Like. My by any means on. Part and I'm getting my scream on. Black Skinhead begins with Kanye saying, for my theme song, my leather black jeans on. A theme song is typically associated with a show or movie and captures the tone of the work, story, or protagonist. The theme song for Star Wars is epic and exciting, befitting a space opera. The theme song for The Office is simple, light, and fun. It conveys a positive, quirky energy, just like the show. With Yeezus saying Black Skinhead is his theme song, it gives special prominence to the track. We know that what's about to unfold will be crucial to understanding who this man is or thinks he is. The line also seems to be a blatant callback to the twisted fantasy track, Power. Kanye declares, I guess every superhero needs his theme music. As we discussed in season two of this podcast, this sentiment was a natural response to Kanye's expulsion from pop culture after the VMAs. Kanye always felt a compulsion to tell what he believed to be the truth, no matter who told him he was being out of line. So the screams from the haters after the VMAs, that became his theme music. Just like he expressed in real life, Kanye is doubling down on this antagonism in power. He's going all in, making it his superpower. Kanye continues the verse describing his superhero costume, rapping, my leather black jeans on, my by any means on. The latter line here, of course, cites the famous quote by Malcolm X, by any means necessary. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. As we discussed at the top of the episode, Connie also played on this quote on the song Good Morning. He rapped, I'm like the fly Malcolm X, by any jeans necessary. Detroit Red cleaned up. Detroit Red was the original street name of Malcolm Little, who would eventually be arrested and sentenced to 10 years in prison for larceny. While in prison, he converted to Islam and was reborn Malcolm X. Once released on parole, Malcolm X would go on to be one of the leading figures of the civil rights era. On Good Morning, Kanye takes Malcolm's spirit of revolution and uses it to flex how he can buy whatever fashionable pants he wants. Really, Kanye's being self-aware here, recognizing how his peers often equate money and possessions with self-worth, while also showing how these possessions can breed inspiration and motivation. Kanye strives to be a celebrity because he wants to be a leader like Malcolm X and give people motivation to be their best selves. But he also recognized that his own vices and insecurities could trip him up, which is, ultimately, the story told on graduation. We're going to see Kanye be similarly self-aware about the Yeezus character during Black Skinhead, which we now know interpolates the line from Good Morning. It's not just any jeans for Yeezus, it's leather black jeans. With their associations with rebels and punk rockers, black leather emits an aura of attitude and aggression. Superheroes are also known to have leather costumes. Where Good Morning Kanye had joked about by any means necessary, Yeezus isn't fooling around. He has his by any means on. He's ready to, like Malcolm X, bring about revolution. This idea leads us into an alternative interpretation of my leather black jeans on, where the word jeans could be read as G-E-N-E-S, as in genetic material. Given Malcolm X's relationship with black empowerment, it makes sense that Kanye would have Yeezus channeling his heritage as a black man, which might be one reason most lines in this verse are punctuated with the word black. Black. 
Kanye continues rapping, pardon, I'm getting my scream on. On the surface, this seems to refer to the attitude and breathless energy Yeezus has on the song, and the very literal screams that happen throughout. The line also refers to the music video for Michael Jackson's song Scream, featuring Janet Jackson. In the video, both Michael and Janet were clad in black leather pants. And of course, Michael also screams. Kanye has an extensive history sampling and referring to Michael Jackson, someone who similarly had a lifelong battle with the media and racism. In many interviews during the Yeezus era, Kanye would compare his fight to breaking into design and fashion to Jackson's fight to get his music videos played on MTV. Just like the choir sample and the reference to Holy Mountain on On Sight, we find additional layers to the scream reference when we dig into the song's lyrics. The track finds the Jacksons criticizing the injustice, scheming, and the lies of the American system, and vowing to fight back. Michael sings, You keep changing the rules while I keep playing the game. I can't take it much longer. I think I might go insane. With such confusion, don't it make you want to scream? Jackson's frustrations with the powers that be matches Kanye's same feelings during the Yeezus era, feelings he channeled into his music. And just like Yeezus, Jackson's heavy-handed lyrics were accompanied by an equally aggressive soundscape. Just listen to the song's intro. It's something that could easily have made it onto Yeezus. Just as Kanye channeled Malcolm X's energy at the top of the verse, it appears he's doing the same with another one of his heroes, contributing to the persona and aura of the Yeezus superhero he's building on the track. It's clear that Yeezus views himself as a vigilante in the vein of Malcolm and Michael, fighting back against an unjust system. Here's Kanye talking about himself, Malcolm, and Michael all in the same stream of thought. Yeah, of course, you know, like Michael Jackson, like he had to fight to get his mm. video played because he was black. This is Michael Jackson. Mm. Michael Jackson's not even black. He's Michael Jackson, you know what I mean? For me, you know, in my life and creativity, it's been challenging. Yeah, mm. it's been challenging and everything, but... I was able to ascend to massive levels of heights and never stop, right? Because of the foundation that my mother and my father and my grandfather laid through civil rights, what Michael Jackson did with, um, with, with music videos mm -hmm. and the ground he broke. There would be no Kanye West if it wasn't for Michael Jackson. That allowed him to be that, right? Well, I've reached a point in my life where my Truman Show boat has hit the painting. And I've got to a point that Michael Jackson did not break down. I have reached the glass ceiling. Toward the end of Jackson's scream, there's a contrasting bridge in which Janet Jackson describes herself watching the systemic injustice play out on the television news. In the background, you can hear a news reporter saying, quote, A man has been brutally beaten to death by police after being wrongly identified as a robbery suspect. The man was an 18-year-old black male. Oh, man. This recognition of racial injustice is shared by Kanye, as his next lines on Black Skinhead are, Enter the kingdom, but watch who you bring home. They see a black man with a white woman at the top floor. They're going to come to kill King Kong. Given Kanye's common use of biblical references, we can assume the kingdom referred to here is the kingdom of God. But Kanye also likes to reference becoming successful, fame, and celebrity. Here you can actually combine the two concepts. Kanye views becoming a celebrity as entering a kind of heaven. It's supposed to be idyllic, divine, and the end of earthly woes. Except even at this level, there's still racism. 
Kanye made the same observation on the song Jesus Walks. Kanye raps, I walk through the valley of the shy where death is. Top floor, the view alone will leave you breathless. Kanye then gasps as he's choked out by the police. On the college dropout, Kanye explores the ups and downs of fame, but also recalls the pains and insecurities experienced by young black men. On songs like We Don't Care, All Falls Down, and Spaceship, Kanye expresses dreams of rising above his oppressed state and attaining the kind of prominence black people aren't given equal opportunities to achieve. So on Jesus Walks, as he stands on that top floor and overlooks his home city of Chicago, it's not divine and promising, it's ugly and violent. Even at that top floor, he's still a black man subject to abuse by the police and told to accept his place. Kanye is making a similar connection as he talks about the kingdom on Black Skinhead. The next line confirms his connection. They see a black man with a white woman at the top floor. They're going to come to kill King Kong. Even when you're a celebrity, that is, quote, at the top floor in the kingdom, you're still subject to racism. King Kong is, of course, an immense 25-foot-tall gorilla that's become a major pop culture figure since the original movie released in 1933. Connecting back to the Scream reference just a few lines prior, King Kong is known for his barbaric roar. The film's iconic scene involves King Kong climbing the Empire State Building, having a final stand against a swarm of fighter planes, and then, sadly, an inevitable, devastating fall to the streets below. Kanye's reference to Kong is a brilliant, climactic simile. Dumbass racists often attempt to insult black people by comparing them to primates. There is near-unanimous agreement among film scholars and critics that King Kong serves as an allegory for racism, as the capture of King Kong recalls white America's enslavement of Africans. Aware of this, Kanye uses King Kong to show how these racists in the song see the successful black man with the white woman at the top floor, not as a regular man and regular woman who have done well in life, but as this threatening non-human who is both a spectacle and a terror that must be stopped. This recalls a tension between who Jesus is and who he aspires to be. King Kong is a large, intimidating figure that shares characteristics with the loud and proud Jesus. Yet King Kong's story is tragic, and the allegory his tale recalls is dark and disgusting. Thus, we see Jesus trying to embrace his King Kong characteristics, despite being in a seemingly futile position as a black man in America. As the first verse concludes, we'll hear Jesus expand on the constricting nature of these racist attitudes. That's right after the break. Welcome back to Dissect. Before the break, we heard Kanye compare Yeezus to King Kong, playing into the underlying racial connotations of the film. This thread of racial tension expands as the verse continues. As we listen, pay attention to the repetition of the word black. By so candidly bringing race into the discussion by repeating black over and over, Kanye further cements the connection to Malcolm X and calls attention to exactly what revolution he will be leading. And now is as good a time as any to talk about the title of the song. Skinhead was a term originally used to describe a 1960s British working-class subculture that revolved around fashion and music and would heavily inspire the punk rock scene. Interestingly enough, the term skinhead has roots in Jamaican culture, which foreshadows some Jamaican motifs we'll hear in Yeezus moving forward. Skinheads were drawn to working-class subcultures, incorporating elements of Jamaican music and fashion. 
in the earlier stages of the movement, considerable overlap existed between early skinhead subculture and the rude boy subculture found among Jamaican immigrant youth, as these groups coexisted in the same working class and poor neighborhoods of Britain. As a result, the succeeding generations of skinheads were influenced by the heavy, repetitive rhythms of dub and ska found in songs from popular Jamaican artists in the UK, such as Desmond Decker. Get up in the morning, Over time, the skinhead movement fell into polemic politics. Nowadays, it's commonly associated with neo-Nazis, despite having split demographics of far-right, far-left, and apolitical. But you can sense that Yeezus has chosen to reclaim the term's punk origins and exhibit the anger and frustration expressed by early skinheads, as well as utilize the culture's obsession with Jamaican music. It also lends some insight to why we hear black repeated over and over throughout the song. As we've talked about, Kanye extensively discussed the racist attitudes that held him back for years during his promotional interviews for Yeezus. He told Sway, quote, Even if you don't perform a racist act, if you turn your head to it, that's a form of racism. So in the plainest form, the omnipresence of the word black channels Yeezus' frustrations with the omnipresence of racism in America. Black also gives way to the Yeezus character. He's embracing his blackness, using it as a superpower. He wears black and exhibits a punk-inspired persona. It's almost as if Yeezus is trying to fuel himself through centuries of racism and oppression, an idealistic attitude in the face of generational struggle. Kanye continues, Middle America packed in, came to see me in my black skin. Middle America is generally thought of as being very white and typically conservative. To some of them, a black man like Yeezus is a novelty. This could also refer to a scene in King Kong where Kong is captured, brought to New York, and put on stage in chains before a gawking, applauding crowd of wealthy white people. It's likely Kanye is drawing a comparison here to his own performances as an artist. Despite selling out arenas across America, the spectacle of Kanye West doesn't equate to real freedom of opportunity in America, as Kanye feels he's been shut out of the real influential board meetings and top floor positions of power, opportunity, and ownership because of his identity as a rapper, celebrity, and a black man. Kanye continues, number one question they ask in, fuck every question you're asking. The people from middle America want to know more about Yeezus, but he rejects their interest, knowing it comes from a disingenuine place. He demonstrates that disingenuineness with the following lines. If I don't get ran out by Catholics, here come some conservative Baptists claiming I'm overreacting, like them black kids in Chirac. Catholics and Baptists are both Christian groups that are popular in middle America and believe in the kingdom of God. Despite Christianity promoting equality and love, these groups would hypocritically run Jesus out of the kingdom because he's black and vocally unhappy with his treatment. They dismiss the outrage of how black people are treated in America as nothing more than an overreaction. Chirac here is slang that combines the city of Chicago with the war-torn Middle Eastern country of Iraq. In 2011, on the Watch the Throne song, Murder to Excellence, Kanye addressed this connection. Note from our earlier discussion of Jesus Walks that Kanye has been discussing Chicago violence since his early mixtape days, 
and how that violence defines him and black people from his hometown. That final line of Black Skinhead's first verse refers to how Kanye believes middle America treats complaints of kids from Chicago, that they're overreacting to the murder, danger, and institutional racism that plagues their city. This undermines the American system's contribution to the violence and the timeless struggle for those trapped in the valley of death. Given the emphasis on race in the first verse, you might expect the hook to do the same, but that's not the case. Instead, we focus on Jesus' mental state, learning more about the inner being of the character after on-site focus more on the external. Kanye kicks off the chorus saying, four in the morning and I'm zoning. They say I'm possessed, it's an omen. One could read this as referring to Jesus rapping in this very song. He's in the booth right now, in the zone, possessed by his passion, and it's an omen of what's to come. He's been doing this for years and there's more he'll accomplish as a musician, artist, and person. He's not finished by any means. But also seems Kanye is again citing a film, this time to 1976's The Omen, a movie about an innocent-looking kid who ends up being the Antichrist. If we look again at the first line, four in the morning and I'm zoning, we can read it as Jesus is up at four in the morning, unable to sleep because the state of society plagues him, and he's ranting and raving. People view his passion as a supernatural, horrifying possession, like the possessed kid in the omen. This sparks the following line, I keep it 300 like the Romans. This is a play on keeping it 100 or being true to yourself and your beliefs despite whatever external backlash you might face. Jesus' over-the-top expression of his beliefs is keeping it 300. He's keeping it realer than real. Of course, Kanye is also evoking the energy of the revolutionary Spartans from the movie 300. As some have pointed out, the Spartans were Greek, not Roman. This could be a mix-up on Kanye's part, confusing Romans and Spartans. Or it could be he really wanted the rhyme with omen and figured ancient Greece and Rome are close enough to get the point across. It could also be a deliberate and very clever callback to the omen reference, as the film took place in Rome. Connie then makes the transition from I keep it 300 like the Romans to 300 bitches where's the Trojans. No matter what theory we choose about why Connie spoke of Romans, it's clear here that he wanted to make a connection to this double entendre. The Trojan army was Roman, but the line also implies he's going to have sex with 300 women, as Trojans are a popular brand of condoms. These lines may seem out of place, given the song's concentration so far on racism and personal empowerment. But given the introduction of Yeezus on the previous track on site, we know he's someone controlled by his vices even when he needs to remain focused on his so-called revolution. Now before we move on to the second part of the hook, we have a rare opportunity with this first half to hear how the legendary producer Rick Rubin contributed to Yeezus. Rick Rubin was the co-founder of Def Jam Records and largely credited as helping to popularize hip-hop in the 1980s. Rubin was brought in late after Kanye struggled to make sense of the raw material he had created for Yeezus. Rubin told the Washington Post, quote, Kanye came over to play me what I assume was going to be the finished album at three weeks before the last possible delivery date. We ended up listening to three hours of partially finished pieces. The raw material was very strong, but hadn't come into focus. Many of the vocals hadn't been recorded yet, and many of those still didn't have lyrics. From what he played me, it sounded like several months more work had to be done. I joined the project because after discussing what he had played for me, he asked me if I'd be open to taking all the raw material and help him finish it, unquote. Ruben would go on to take that three hours of raw material 
and in Kanye's words, reduce it, finding cohesion between the songs by honing in on the essential elements and getting rid of everything else. I didn't reduce it. Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin reduced, reduced, it. reduced yeah. it. He's not a producer, he's a reducer. <laughs> the hook of Black Skinhead gives us a rare glimpse into Rubin's role as reducer, as early versions of the track have leaked onto the internet. In this version, Kanye doesn't yet have lyrics on the track. Rather, he does what he usually does when composing a new song. He freestyles to lock in the cadences and flow, and fills in the lyrics later. But what I'd like you to focus on in this excerpt is the music behind Kanye, as it reveals the much more chaotic version of the hook. Compare this with what we hear on the album version. It appears that Ruben decided to scrap everything but Kanye's vocals and a single 808 drum. Reducing the first half of the chorus this much makes it all the more shocking when the chaotic drums do enter out of nowhere. As we listen, hone in on those drums. These drums are blown out and distorted, an interesting detail when we consider the context of Kanye's lyrics. The distortion we hear is caused by what's called peaking or clipping. This occurs when an audio signal is amplified past the maximum allowed limit. This limit is like a physical ceiling for audio signals, if the signal is too high and it hits the ceiling, the sound gets blocked and distortion occurs. Because the woofers of a speaker vibrate to reproduce sound, extreme or prolonged clipping can cause a jarring movement that can rip the fabric of the cone or blow out a speaker. Considering that Kanye is currently expressing how he's out of control and keeping it 300, an amount well over the normal 100, clipping or the idea of someone dangerously going past its limits parallels the emotional state of Yeezus a fitting sonic reflection of Kanye's mental condition. Lyrically, the hook continues, Baby, we livin' in the moment. I've been a menace for the longest. Of course, right after the return of a vice, the 300 women he plans to sleep with, we get an important continuation from Yeezus' attitude of immediacy and indulgence from on site. Being a menace also likely alludes to Kanye's public track record of political incorrectness, be it his Hurricane Katrina outburst or his interruption of Taylor Swift. He assures that, quote, I ain't finished, I'm devoted, and you know it, and you know it. Unfortunately, despite the self-awareness, we see Yeezus' vices overshadowing his political aspirations. He wants to lead a movement, yet he touts his fervor to indulge in whatever he likes. He doesn't mind being a menace, just as skinheads were seen as a menace to the status quo. But the manner in which he's a menace alienates him and distracts him from his good intentions. I'm devoted, and you know it, and you know it. Jesus says, So follow me up because this ship out to go. The unspoken missing word at the end of this line is down, which we can interpret as pivotal events happening or things spiraling out of control. It appears Jesus meant the latter, as he next says, I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. 300 has now escalated to 500 as Jesus increasingly loses command of his self-control. 500 miles per hour is also around the speed at which private jets fly, 
giving new meaning to the previous line, so follow me up. Jesus continues to spiral, rapping, but there's nowhere to go and there's no way to slow. None of this comes off as healthy or heroic, but instead manic and chaotic. The lines imply an eminent crash, be it physical or mental. Already the hollow lifestyle of ego and sex on on site is being undermined as unsustainable, especially in a country that's excited to see you crash when you're anything but white. After painting that stark scenario, Kanye continues, if I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been blacked out on your ass. There's a loss of innocence implied here, bringing us back to our discussion of the song Good Morning. There, Kanye detailed his graduation from quote-unquote school to the real world. Referencing Malcolm X was mostly witty lyricism in the track, as Kanye didn't care about revolution as much as becoming famous. He was bragging about being able to afford expensive clothes. But now he knows better what fame and racism entails, what the cost of celebrity is, and that there's no escape from racism in this kingdom. But he didn't know that then, so he can innocently declare good morning and think life was only going to get better. But now that he knows better, Jesus commits to blacking out. On the surface, it seems he means that he plans to double down on his revolutionary charge a la Malcolm X now that he knows that success does not equate to equality. Instead of being apologetic, he'll remain antagonistic, ready to spaz out and charge the proverbial award stage whenever he feels there's injustice occurring. Given all the lines about losing self-control and an inevitable crash, we also have to read the blacked out line as referring to a literal blackout, the crash, the end of his life. It again recalls the Malcolm X reference, who was assassinated for his unwavering commitment to the black revolutionary movement. Jesus seems to be declaring that it really is by any means necessary this time, even if that means risking his life. Kanye raps, stop all that coon shit, early morning cartoon shit. On the surface, it appears he is speaking directly to the racists, asking them to stop portraying black people in a reduced, stereotypical way, as demeaning caricatures that are the simplistic stuff of kids' cartoons. Kanye also had a beef with the cartoon show South Park at the time, who infamously characterized Kanye as a clueless buffoon after the VMAs. In that same season of South Park, there was an episode that centered around the character Cartman becoming a raccoon-dressed superhero named The Coon. If this is a purposeful reference, we may consider that Kanye is drawing connections between his own characterization on the show and the ways in which the show plays controversially on racial stereotypes. After calling for the end of this kind of cartoonery, he continues, This is that goon shit. Fuck up your whole afternoon shit. I'm aware I'm a wolf. Soon as the moon hit. I'm aware I'm a king. Back out the tomb, bitch. This continues the supernatural motif from the hook, as Egyptian kings were mummified and put in tombs, becoming the basis for the classic mummy monster. And cleverly, the words aware and wolf sound together like werewolf. Werewolves, of course, are humans who become a scary wolf-human hybrid when the moon comes out, hence the line, as soon as the moon hit. These monster-inspired lines call back to the opening lines of On Sight, where Kanye warned us that a monster about to come alive again. Already on the album's very next track, we're hearing that characterization come to fruition. Kanye concludes this monster section with a line that can be heard as both black out the room and back out the room. Both work equally well here, and it's likely that the ambiguity is intentional. In terms of the string of monster references, black out the room refers to making a room or space as dark as possible, 
as most goblins are nocturnal. Meanwhile, Back Out the Room draws on the TV and film trope in which people see a monster and back up in horror. Black Out the Room also adds to the prominent racial thread throughout the song and Yeezus' commitment to black out on everybody's asses. As we get to the second half of the verse, the perspective suddenly shifts and we're forced to question who Yeezus has been actually speaking to all along. Now fueled by his status as a king, a monster, and a superhero, Yeezus declares again, stop all that coon shit. But this time he follows it up in a way that changes our understanding of who he's commanding. He says, these n-words ain't doing shit. Them n-words ain't doing shit. Instead of talking to racist or middle America, Yeezus is now directly addressing black people forcing us to completely reconsider who he is addressing at the start of the verse. With this new reading, it's clear that he's not only furious about the oppressive, racist system that keeps people down, he's also frustrated by black people's lack of action. Come on, homie, what happened, he asks. You n-words ain't breathing, you gasping. These n-words ain't ready for action. He thinks there's too much nonsense going on. He doesn't understand where the fire went, where the complacency came from. It's like a general yelling at his troops, trying to motivate them through a harsh check of their behavior and inaction. Yeezus, like Malcolm X, wants black people to not only declare their right to this earth, but to fight for it. And I've been at it for 10 years, and I look around and I say, wait a second, there's no one around here in this space that looks like me, and if they are, they're quiet as fuck. <laughs> so that means, wait a second, now we're seriously like in a civil rights movement. Cleverly, during this section of Black Skinhead when Kanye is venting about his gasping peers, the beat drops out entirely except for the rhythmic breathing and gasping sounds that have been mixed into the track the entire time. As Black Skinhead continues, the chorus and bridge repeat reinforcing that Yeezus is simultaneously passionate but unhinged. We also get a whole new appreciation for the line, so follow me up because this ship out to go down. Yeezus has picked up the torch of Malcolm X and wants to inspire black people to stop being passive and follow him in revolution. But the real kicker is what follows, the defiant, increasingly aggressive outro. But it's nowhere to go, and it's nowhere to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been blacked out on your ass. Here we take a sudden turn into a heaving, breathless Yeezus screaming, God, over and over again. At this point in the track, it feels like an expression of frustration. You can imagine Yeezus being infuriated by everything and everyone. Racism is holding his people back, yet he feels his people won't follow his lead and take the necessary action to overturn the system. But given that Yeezus himself admits his own lack of self-control and his downward spiral toward chaos, we know that it's likely not the message they're resisting, it's the messenger. Conclusions 
In the hero's journey called to adventure, the protagonist is presented with an opportunity that will remove them from their natural habitat. It's the earliest revelation of the hero's dreams and desires, as well as the flaws that have always held them back. This tension plays out on Black Skinhead, where we learn about Yeezus' wish to spark a revolution. Channeling his heroes Malcolm X and Michael Jackson, he uses this theme song as a rally cry for his people to fight back against the system holding them down. He highlights the detrimental effects of racism and how it discourages African Americans from reaching their full potential. At the same time, he appears frustrated with his own race, which he believes isn't taking enough action to upturn that oppressive system. Despite his loftier ambitions, Jesus is constantly crippled by his own ego and addictions. Sex and money seem to flood his mind as much as politics and social change. Because of the life he leads, he is at times monstrous and living 500 and out of control, often resulting in him being distracted from the larger mission at hand. Can someone in such a state really lead people, much less accomplish anything? This all builds to the outro, where Kanye the storyteller emphasizes some of the cracks in Yeezus' armor. While yelling God could seem like nothing more than venting frustration, it takes on an entirely new context when we realize the next song is called I Am A God. This isn't someone just crying out to their maker for help or simply cursing those they feel are foolish. It's a man at the end of his wits rallying his ego, building himself up to the point where he's convinced himself of his own omnipotence. I am a god. I am a god. We'll discover how this dynamic of omnipotence will carry a multitude of meanings on Yeezus' next song, I Am A God. The track will examine note by note, line by line, next time on Dissect. Today's episode was written by Chris Lambert, Travis Bean, and me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend about the show or share on social media. It really helps. Theme music for the show was composed by Bureaucratic. Audio editing by Eric Bass and me. Song recreations by Andrew Atwood. Be sure to follow us on social media at Dissect Podcast and check out our limited season eight merchandise on our website, dissectpodcast.com. If you want even more episodes on Kanye, listen to season two of this podcast, a 16 episode analysis of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. All right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next time.